So welcome again to Practical Mindfulness at Home. This is our third session, Intro to Meditation. My name is Anna, and I'm the owner and founder here at On The Goga. I'm also our lead mindfulness coach and a registered yoga teacher. And today I have, we have the privilege of being joined with our other lead yoga and mindfulness coach at On The Goga, Caitlin Williams. Welcome, Caitlin. Thanks, Anna. I'm really excited to be here today. I'm so excited to have you here. And just a quick side note for all of you guys out there. One of the reasons I'm so excited that Caitlin is here with us today is because she was actually my first ever meditation teacher. So I thought it was only fitting to invite her to come and share with you guys her, just her wealth of knowledge and, and everything she brings to the practice. So just so you guys know, we've got a very special guest star today. Well, thank you, Anna. <laughs> yeah. Really quick, for any of you guys who weren't here last week, don't worry. As always, these workshops are great as standalone and they do build on each other. So I just want to recap what we talked a little bit about last week, which was mindfulness. Just a very simple definition of mindfulness that we like to use here at On The Goga is mindfulness is being aware of what is happening right now without wishing it were different. Enjoying the pleasant without holding on to it when it changes, which it will. And being with the unpleasant without worrying that it will always be this way, which it won't. This definition is by a man named James Baraz, who wrote the book Awakening Joy. And again, I said this last week, but if you have an urge to read something uplifting or something more about this topic while you're at home, this is a great uh, book, Awakening Joy. But what we love about this definition here at On The Goga is that you could stop after the first four words, and this would be a pretty good definition of mindfulness. Mindfulness is being aware. Just being aware of whatever is happening around you. So this will be my first question out to you all out there. What is something in your environment right now? Like Susan already gave us the example of sun streaming in through the windows. Uh, what is something in your environment that you can notice right now that you can be aware of? This could be something that you see, something that you hear. It could be something that you feel in your body. Maybe you're eating lunch, it's something that you taste. But what might be around you in your environment right now? Caitlin, do you have something specific around you right now that you notice? I definitely have to echo the sun shining. There's just something about um, all that goodness, knowing that it's not only affecting your personal soul, but the environment and um, bringing brightness to our, our world right now. So I, I would echo sun. I love that. Uh, yeah, Nancy said flowers in a vase. Amy said trees outside. Alyssa said, I hear the birds chirping outside. I also hear the birds chirping. Tracy said, my dog's relaxing at my feet. Chris said trees blowing in the wind. So these are great, right? Birds singing, all of these things are happening right now. And mindfulness is simply that moment when we become aware of them, when our brains kind of kick out of autopilot and become conscious of what's happening in our environment. Whether that's something relaxing, like sun streaming in through the windows, and whether that's something that's not so great, like a feeling of stress or a feeling of anxiety, no matter what's going on around us, we can be mindful of it. So that's what we talked about last week. And I gave you guys, for those of you who are here, a little bit of homework to do something this week a little bit more mindfully. Something that maybe you normally have on autopilot that this week, maybe you pay a little bit more attention to. So I'm curious out there if any of you guys intentionally or unintentionally did something this week that you normally do, but maybe considered it a little bit more mindfully. Oh, I love this. Cynthia just shared, I have the coolest and most joyful thing happening right now outside my cul-de-sac. A neighbor just graduated from high school and family and friends must be doing a drive-by to beep and cheer him on. That's amazing. Amy said, this week I uh, was brushing my horses more mindfully. I, that's awesome. Tracy said, listened more and talked less. That's really interesting because that pulls in a lot of different elements of mindfulness, not just noticing what people are saying, but noticing when maybe we have the urge to talk and when it might be a moment just to listen. Yeah, Guadalupe said, I intentionally cook with relaxing music. Siraj said, playing with my two-year-old. Caitlin, I know you can relate to that one, right? Oh yes, very much. <laughs> 
Yeah, Wendy just said being more patient. So that's fantastic. And if you're getting, if you're sitting down here and you're like, you know what, this is the first time I've thought about mindfulness since last week, don't worry about it. What we're gonna talk about today is some, a really practical tool for practicing mindfulness. And that is meditation. Like we kind of talked about last week, you don't need to meditate to practice mindfulness, but meditation is one tool for practicing mindfulness. And if you're curious about what it is and maybe how to practice, that's what we're gonna talk about today. Just kind of demystifying this idea of meditation. And that's really why Caitlin is here today. She is so great at helping to explain this in a practical way. And she just has such a deep knowledge of it. So Caitlin, you are actually my first meditation teacher through the practice of yoga, right? So how are yoga and meditation and mindfulness all connected? Yeah, well, they um, all really come from a similar lineage. And yoga is what's considered a form of moving meditation. Something that's often, I think, misunderstood is that meditation has to be sitting on a cushion that looks really beautiful with candles around you and with the perfect setting and no dogs or cats or babies crawling all over you. What's just not true about that is that there's a lot of different forms of meditation. And I'm sure you all talked about this in mindfulness, but people look at a flame sometimes to meditate. They do walking meditations like someone even mentioned in the chat room. But moving meditation is yoga, is being aware of your movement and creating a deeper connection between mind and body awareness. And I think what you said, Caitlin, is really a huge point that we want to make today, which is that meditation and yoga and mindfulness can look like so many different things. So before we kind of dive into unpacking what is meditation, I'd love to throw that question out to you guys in the audience, in the chat box. How would you describe meditation? What words do you think of when you think of meditation? Do you think of specific actions? What would you say meditation is? So I'll leave this out here to you guys in the chat box. Caitlin, do you have any images that come to mind when you think about meditation? Oh, sure. I, I think it's a lot of what you all shared about already in the chat box. Now, meditation is, is breath, but it's also recognizing the sun. It's um, you know, being able to come to a state where, where the mind is really active and maybe unfocused to a state of, of greater focus towards both the good and like Anna, you, you said really beautifully, also stuff that maybe is coming up that doesn't feel as comfortable, but it is that shift of focus. Absolutely. We have some great answers coming in. Nancy said stillness. Tracy said calm mind and spirit. Cynthia said quiet. Amy said breathing. Susan said focusing in on just one thing. Siraj said awareness. Alita said calm. Wendy said letting my active mind take a break. Right. And Evan said being introspective. There's just so many good answers here. And uh, I'll just kind of move on to the next slide because this starts to get into a little bit of that definition, pulling all of your ideas together. This definition of meditation is actually from a text called the Yoga Sutras, which Caitlin, I'll leave you to explain, but it's the first definition we have of yoga or meditation. And it just says that meditation is the calming of the fluctuations of the mind. So Caitlin, what does this mean and where does this definition come from? The Yoga Sutras are a really widely regarded authoritative text on yoga. Um, one of my favorite things about when I lead uh, people to become yoga teachers, one of the things I love is that when people start to get into the yoga sutras, they recognize that it's not a text on how to do warrior one the best you possibly can. It is not a text in which you um, are trying to get into the hardest arm balance possible, but instead it's really seen as a text of wisdom. And so it provides an, a guideline for meaningful living. And when you actually look at the text, the very first Yoga Sutra describes yoga as exactly this, the calming of the fluctuations of the mind. Fluctuations, as you can imagine what it would be, is just the idea that our minds don't stay still. We all know this very personally, that our minds are not always focused or have this like attentive concentration. And so trying to work towards calming those fluctuations that often happen in our daily lives. 
Absolutely. And I think that one of the first myths I kind of want to debunk here as we start to come into explaining what meditation is, because we pulled this first definition, which is a really just straightforward, simple, effective definition of meditation from an old text called the Yoga Sutras. One myth I want to debunk is just that yoga and meditation, a lot of the times people think about them and they ask the question, is this religious? Where does this come from? And while Yes, some practices of meditation and some practices, specifically yoga, do have roots in ancient religions. The practice of meditation, of noticing what's going on around you, is not at all inherently religious. And in fact, you can find this practice of simply becoming aware of what's going on in your body, in your thoughts, in the world around you, throughout human history. You can see it all across all different cultures. Uh, sometimes it's talked about in the way of meditation, but often we even hear people talking about it in the way of solitude or self-study or simply the practice of listening. And actually a really great example of that would be um, mindfulness-based stress reduction that is not only um, in yoga circles, but also in hospitals and with some top corporations and with people fighting addiction. MB MBSR is, uh, you know, the, the founding leader is John Kabat-Zinn, and he actually specifically wanted to make sure that this idea of mindfulness and meditation could be transmitted into every single sector of the world. And no matter where you work or, or what you believe. And, and so I think that that's a really good example of, of this that um, yes, it's, its roots are very much in a lot of different traditions, but it's also um, accessible, available to all people. To underlie this idea that meditation is a simple practice that's available to anyone, we've pulled a slightly more research-based definition of meditation. Now, when you go in and look at the research around meditation, it's pretty interesting because people have had a hard time landing on a single definition of what is meditation? What is this practice of calming the fluctuations of the mind? But this is a definition that pulls together kind of the definitions from a lot of different meta-analysis and studies of meditation, which is that meditation is the progressive practice of focusing your attention, resulting in increased awareness and control of the body's physiological and psychological states. Now, I know that this is not the most concise definition in the world, so let's break this down. Meditation is a progressive practice, which means it's something that you do over time and your skill in it changes and increases over time. And it's this practice of simply focusing your attention. So like last week, we talked about one of the simplest forms of mindfulness is just to notice what you're doing with your hands, right? It's consciously focusing your awareness and attention on whatever it might be, your breath, the world around you, a feeling that you're having. And in research, we can also define meditation as that practice of focusing your attention, but also the result that that has of increasing your body and mind's awareness and control of not just your mind, but your body's physiological state. So through the practice of meditation, you can even learn to help regulate your own heart rate, right? Or help become fully aware of all of the different feelings and sensations that you're having in your body. Caitlin, what else do you have to say about this definition of meditation? Um, I think what I'll just highlight is the progressive practice piece. You know, what I've seen over, over time, I'm really, really grateful that mindfulness is becoming in something very mainstream, something that people are aware of because it is such a good practice. Um, but, you know, just like anything that looks really sexy, people like want to be a part of it right away, but then really drop it when they understand how much work it actually takes. And I don't say that to um, deter anyone from starting, but to understand that the, the changes that actually happen in the brain happen over a long period of time. And that's also something that research um, really puts out there is that at any time someone's brain has changed the most from meditation, it's been over a long period of practice. And so that means you start with maybe a minute of paying attention to your breath because it's not gonna be one or even two breaths before your mind wanders. And so then, you know, the next time you practice, you try to focus on three full breaths. And this process is in itself a process. It takes time. 
Absolutely. And to your point, Caitlin, you know, some of us out there, maybe even raise your hand if you've tried to meditate before and then, then you've thought, oh my gosh, this is so confusing. Am I supposed to be thinking about nothing? Where's my brain, right? Yeah, we got a lot of people out there raising their hand. That's such a common experience when you first sit down to try to meditate, right? Which that phrase, try to meditate, is funny for a lot of reasons that we'll discuss. But it can feel a little overwhelming or really overwhelming. But one thing I wanna just clarify is that meditation is not thinking of nothing. Meditation is not feeling calm, although a calm physiological state might be a side effect of sitting down to meditate. And again, meditation, it's not inherently spiritual. It's a physical practice that we can do by oftentimes sitting and focusing our attention on one thing. And so that's actually, you know, what we're going to do right now to give you guys the experience of what meditation can feel like for about one minute. And to do that, we're going to focus on our breath. Now, I, we talked a little bit about this last week, why breath is such an important tool for mindfulness. And mindfulness and meditation are kind of Venn diagrams, right? You can do a mindfulness meditation. You are often mindful when you meditate. Um, but breath is a big part of mindfulness and meditation for a lot of different reasons. But one of those reasons is just because your breath is always there. And when you're not thinking about it, it just kind of feels like something that's happening. But as soon as you start to think about your breath, it becomes something that you do. So we're gonna take one minute and just experience the sensation of a breath meditation. So all you need to do is, as long as you are in a place where this is comfortable for you, take a seat back or you can do this standing, close your eyes, take a deep breath in through your nose, open your mouth and sigh it out. Again, breathe in through your nose, open your mouth, sigh it out and just start to take some deep breaths in through your nose and out through your nose or mouth as you breathe focus your attention on the physical movement of your body as you breathe do you notice your chest or your stomach moving as you breathe in and maybe moving a little differently as you breathe out. Maybe you can focus your attention on the very tops of your inhale. How much air can you pull into your lungs? And then a gentle exhale, paying attention to the very bottom of your breath. What does it feel like to fully exhale? Exploring that with each round of breath, notice how each round is a little bit different, slightly different movements in your body, slightly different movements of your air. When you're ready, take one more breath in through your nose. Open your mouth, sigh it out. And gently blink open your eyes. So I'll just throw out to you guys in the chat box, does your body or brain feel any different now than when you started that simple, it was a little over a minute, it was about a minute and a half, meditation? Or do you guys have any questions about that? Did you have any experiences? Did you notice something different? Yeah, Chris said, I felt more relaxed, right? And again, meditation isn't the state of being calm. It's not some state you need to attain, but relaxation is often a side effect of the practice of just bringing attention to your breath. Yes, and Cynthia said, I'm yawning like last week. Absolutely. Sometimes when we start to breathe, our body and brain are noticing, oh my gosh, I haven't had some deep breaths in a while, right? And they might start to yawn. That's super normal. Yeah, Caitlin, do you have any other thoughts about just why breath and that simple meditation is a great introduction to this practice? I do think one of 
its best qualities is that it is balanced in itself. The act of breath every time you inhale provides you energy. So it provides you energy to your mind. And every time you exhale, you signal to your body and your mind to be relaxed. And so that's my favorite thing about breath and, it, and utilizing it for meditation practice is its balance and just its effect on the brain. Um, you know, very straightforwardly is that an inhale provides you energy and alertness and an exhale provides you relaxation. Absolutely. And to that point, Caitlin, breath is not only balanced, but it's also always changing, just like everything in life. And one of the beautiful things about the practice of meditation, when we sit in stillness and just notice what's happening around us, we become more keenly aware over time to just how much change is always happening. Even when we're being still, our breath is moving, our heart is beating, we can hear the sounds around us moving. And while at first that might seem a little overwhelming, over time, it can really be a comfort to know that even in the days where it feels like nothing gets done and we're just sitting still, change is happening. And so we can let go a little bit of the need to push ourselves forward. Yeah, I loved that Tracy said in the chat box, the headache I've been feeling all morning has started to diminish, that's wonderful. Let's talk a little bit about, Caitlin, you've mentioned a few times how this practice signals to our brain and our body. So we're going to get into some of the side effects of meditation. And I think that you've, you brought this up already, Caitlin. Meditation and mindfulness have become these like sexy, hip words that everybody's doing. Uh, but why are, what is the research behind what it does for us and why it's so popular right now? And I like to frame this as why doing quote unquote nothing changes everything. And the first reason that we're going to address is just that meditation helps to improve emotional well-being. So there's a lot of different things that meditation does to help us feel a little bit happier, a little bit healthier, which as many of you know, happy people do great things is our motto here at On The Goga. But the reason that it does that first and foremost is that it increases our focus on the present moment. Now, most stress, most anxieties, most fears and ruminations are thoughts about things that are going to happen or things that have already happened. But when we practice meditation, focusing on the moment that is right here, right now, we can help ourselves to let go of those fears or just put those things into perspective, acknowledging that our body might be having a reaction to something that's not happening right here, right now. Another great thing that meditation does is it actually helps to improve imagination and creativity. And the research behind this speaks to this idea that when you're noticing the things around you, you can draw inspiration from those things. And the more aware you are of everything that's going on around you, the more likely you are to see different ideas, different opportunities, whether that's creativity in terms of art or music, the more traditional definition, or whether that's creativity and how you're going to handle a situation at work, right? Or maybe how you're going to have a conversation with somebody in your life. Another thing that meditation and mindfulness does is because it gives us this awareness of what's going on and an ability to kind of become aware of and maybe even over time regulate our emotions and the sensations of our body, it increases our patience and our tolerance, which also all three of these things serve to decrease our negative emotions. So Caitlin, I know you have a wonderful story about this as it relates to patience and tolerance. So can you speak a little bit to your experience and how meditation improves emotional well-being? Definitely. Uh, so like mentioned earlier, I have a two-year-old son. And as I've, uh, you know, entered into this world of parenting and becoming a parent, I've noticed the word mindfulness used a lot. And I really loved seeing the way that mindfulness has infiltrated the parenting world. And if you think about why, the why behind it, especially um, with a, a wonderful two-year-old uh, by my side, is that, you know, parenting really makes us look inside to our reactions, to really thinking about my child is behaving in a certain way. How is it right now that I will respond to it? And if anybody is like me out there, my first responses aren't always something I feel like I'm choosing, you know, is whether it's like anger or like impatience or maybe something I saw modeled to me, me as a young child. 
And what, what mindfulness has done for me is it's really helped me find life in, in the immediate moment. And that's a definition that Anna and I love uh, from Alan Watts is just that the discovery of the point of life is always arriving in the moment. And this moment then lets me provide something for my child that I know will be balanced and good. And so it, it puts a space between what's happening and our initial reaction to then becoming more of a response to, for instance, not only just a child, but maybe our partners or our family members or our friends. Absolutely. And this plays so much into our personal life and our work life because this practice of mindfulness, this skill of mindfulness is a skill that you take with you no matter what you're doing, whether you're doing downward facing dog on a yoga mat or you're having a conversation with your partner or your friend or you're having an interaction with a client at work. If you hone this emotional cognitive skill in your brain, it's something that you can bring to all these different areas of your life. So the next kind of aspect, we talked a little bit about the mind, Let's talk about the body. How does meditation impact and interact with our body? Well, one of the really interesting benefits of practicing meditation is that it actually has been shown to help manage the symptoms of other conditions. To Tracy's point that she said in the chat box earlier, the headache I've been feeling all morning has started to diminish. Now, this is where I really like to nerd out in the research because as I, one of my favorite phrases when I'm talking about this with people is I like to say, it's not, you know, hippie yoga magic, guys, right? There's actually a lot of science to back up how, what we think and where we focus our attention and how we look at the things around us that we're experiencing, feeling, noticing in our lives changes our bodies and changes the way our bodies are talking to themselves. So meditation can help to do a lot of different things. It can help to manage sleep problems, not only because a meditation, one of which we're going to do in just a second, is really good at helping us to calm our bodies down and induce that relaxation state, but it can also help us to have a little bit more control over our emotions throughout the day, which can make it easier to fall asleep. It can help with tension headaches. So to Tracy's anecdotal point here already on the webinar, just the practice of meditation can help reduce uh, the tightness and the, the pain of tension headaches, but it can also help us to relate to chronic pain differently. So instead of experiencing tension as acute pain that we need to emotionally react to, we can kind of become aware of the sensation and let it pass. It's also been shown to help with high blood pressure, partially because it really does a lot um, to help our anxiety and stress response. And anxiety right there is one of the things that this meditation can help with. It's even been shown uh, to change the outcomes and support the symptoms of asthma. Uh, and this is actually an experience that I had through the practice of yoga specifically. It really helped me to manage asthma. So meditation, this practice of moving your thoughts has been shown through the research to have all of these different impacts on our brains and our bodies. The reason that this is happening is that meditation, what we think, is actually changing our brains. So the act of focusing our attention changes the architecture of our brain and does a, a million different really interesting things. One of the things of studies that's really interesting to me came out in 2012, and it was a study published in the Frontiers of Human Neuroscience. And researchers compared the brain images of 50 adults who meditate and 50 adults who don't meditate. And the results suggested that people who practice meditation for, like Caitlin said, many years, actually have more folds in the outer layer of their brain, which can increase our brain's ability to process information. There's also been research out there on how meditation changes the way that our amygdala, the part of our brain that we learned about a couple weeks ago that manages stress, how that talks to the rest of our body. And so these changes in our brain, which is part of our body, impact how our brain and body connect. And again, this is really prevalent uh, with things like stress management and anxiety. Uh, and Caitlin, I think you have another great example when it comes to the impact of meditation on anxiety. So one of my favorite stories from my history of teaching yoga is 
my early teaching actually in classes that Anna, I'm sure you were a part of. And I was teaching classes by Drexel and I had a college student that was a part of my classes regularly. And this college student, you know, was with me for, you know, the four years um, of her career and then, you know, didn't talk to me a whole lot. We said hi to each other and knew each other's names. And at the very end, when she was graduating, she handed me a letter and the student said, I want to make sure you understand the impact that this practice had on me. And in the letter, she explained, you know, at first, whenever like you told me to pay attention to my breath or told me to look really closely at my right thumb and my right thumbnail, she was like, I had no idea what you were talking about and didn't think it was worth doing. And then over the years, I actually noticed how much that impacted my life. I struggled with anxiety all during college, but yet I knew the days that I was attending a yoga class, it would be lessened and that I would actually be able to perform and function much better after taking those classes. And, you know, and I'm really grateful for that experience and that I had it early on in my teaching because it has given me so much energy to keep teaching from that experience and from hearing that story. So, you know, like we've discussed already, it doesn't it can look like attending a yoga class really regularly as much as it can look like of course like mindfully walking um and and i think that these this mind body awareness can affect a lot of different things you know research is just is pretty new on meditation if you really look at how what research has been done and when it's pretty new and so the possibilities of it affecting other things um, I think is is really possible. You know, a lot of people uh, in the chat box are asking about specific things. Can it help with this? Can it help with that? And it's really one of those things. It's like, it's worth giving it a shot. Anecdotally, it has uh, the practice of meditation and specifically yoga has been shown to help a lot of different conditions. And again, it, this is not a cure, right? You're not going to do yoga and all of your medical things are going to go away, but it changes our brains and our bodies. And one really uh, helpful way to understand why this is the case, because it seems so wild when you say that, but the research on neuroplasticity, which is our brain's ability to make changes in how it connects and how it talks to itself and how it communicates with our body, that is much more easy to understand when we put it in the context of something physical. So if you imagine you do go to a yoga class, you know, five days a week for, you know, a month, you're probably not going to be surprised when you get a little bit more flexible. You're probably not going to be surprised when you get a little bit stronger. And we have this idea often that our brain is somehow different than our body, but our brain, our thoughts, that is a physical sensation, right? Our brain is an organ, just like all the other organs in our body. And when we think different thoughts, different signals are firing in the brain. So if you spend concerted time thinking differently, it's going to make a physical change. Just to intersperse a little bit of practice here, we're going to do another meditation called the five senses meditation. And this really harkens back to mindfulness. It's a mindfulness meditation and it takes just a few minutes. And all we're gonna do is shift our attention to different sensations that we're noticing through all five of our senses. So when you're ready, wherever you are, take a deep breath in through your nose, breathe it out your mouth. And then sit back or stand gently, maybe close your eyes as you begin to breathe again. Just soft, gentle breaths in through your nose, out through your nose or mouth. And allow your attention to come to some physical sensation in your body. Maybe you can notice the weight of your arms. Maybe you can soften the muscles of your jaw as you breathe. Consider that this awareness of your body, where it is in space, that is the sensation of touch. Maybe you can even notice where your body is touching your clothing or your chair. Consider as you breathe that you always have that sensation of touch occurring. It's just that you don't always notice it. So take a few breaths just to feel where your body is in space. 
Next, as you breathe, bring your attention to the physical sensation of sound. Sound is vibrations moving through the air, hitting your eardrum. And then your eardrum vibrates the little bones and hair in your inner ear. And your body takes that energy and converts it into electrical energy signals to your brain. And that is what we perceive as sound. That's what hearing feels like in our body. Take a few breaths just to experience the sensation of sound. Breathe gently. As you bring your attention to some deep breaths, if you can, in and out of your nose. Maybe you can smell something particular. Maybe someone's making lunch in your house and you can smell it, but maybe you just take a second to notice, can you smell the smell of your room? Just the room that you're in right now. There are smells coming in and being registered by your nose, but oftentimes the smells of our home or wherever we are get filtered out. So just see, maybe you can, maybe you can't, but notice if you can smell what's going on around you. Again, a great time to notice that mindfulness isn't about feeling calm. We can be smelling fresh baked cookies or we can be smelling, you know, the bottom of a shoe. It's still mindful if we're noticing it. Next, take a couple of seconds just to let your tongue gently fall away from the roof of your mouth. And notice if you can pay attention to the sensation of taste, even if you're not eating anything. There's still signals that your tongue can send to your brain of what it tastes like inside of your mouth. And it might feel kind of silly to do this, but all we're doing here is looking to focus our attention on something that we don't normally notice throughout the day. And finally, start to breathe a little more deeply in through your nose and out through your nose. As you gently open your eyes all the time, noticing what it feels like to see. What colors do you see? What light do you see? Maybe you notice something in the room around you for the first time today. Take a final deep breath in and a big sigh out. And gently as you come back into your body, feel free to share if there's anything you noticed about your five senses that you don't normally pay attention to during the day. Caitlin, is there anything you want to add there to this idea of the five senses meditation? Well, I think it's another really important tool to use because it's always with you. So there is just like breath um, the five senses provide an ability to be a participant of meditation at all times because you have these things readily available and, and these senses to be able to tune into um, for the practice. And another thing to note here, right? There's sometimes when we smell, you know, Annie Ann's pretzels for me just puts a smile on my face every time when I smell that smell. It's such a great smell. But I often notice my practice of mindfulness when I'm walking down the street and maybe I walk into the subway in Philadelphia, right? Oftentimes we have this idea of this myth about meditation that we need to be noticing things that are enjoyable, that are calming. But any stimuli from any of your five senses, whether it's a scream of a child or, you know, the smell of something that's gone bad in your fridge, any sensation that you notice can be a focal point for meditation. Add something else to that, Anna, is that um, I think it's important to note as well that we all have preferences of what we hear or what we taste. 
And so where the non-judgmental piece of this practice comes in is being able to provide space between that judgment of sound, that judgment of taste, that judgment of smell. And, and I do think that that's one of the, the greatest challenges and also where you'll, you'll see your practice move forward. A hundred percent. When we get deeper into this practice, we start to notice when we actually don't like the smell of something or the taste of something. And sometimes we just notice that the sensation of that experience is a little bit different than our thoughts about the sensation. We've talked a lot about different types of meditation so far and all these different benefits and all the things it can do. But one of my favorite things to reiterate about this practice is that a secret of meditation is that it's actually supposed to be fun. This isn't to say that every moment of meditation is going to be enjoyable, but meditating for the sake of, you know, getting this benefit or getting that benefit, and especially meditation with the desire to fix or change ourselves, really misses out on a big part of the beauty of the practice, which is just that it's enough to take a moment to notice what's going on around you and just feel good in your brain and body. Even just taking a second to walk mindfully or take a few deep breaths in and out of your nose can be a moment of enjoying the situation. And if you're sitting there like, I have to meditate every day, the reality is you're probably not gonna do it. Like I always love to say, if you should too much, you'll should all over yourself and it's a big mess. It's not that you should meditate, it's that it can be a really enjoyable experience, especially when you realize that there's really no wrong way to meditate. Caitlin, one of the things that you've told me in the past that I'm just such a huge fan of is that there's three parts to meditating. There's noticing your thoughts or your breath or whatever your focal point is, having your attention wander, and then coming back. Yeah, the the goal of, of meditation and mindfulness is to be able to actually gather our energy. And, and something that I really love being reminded of is what a wealth of energy we all have. That we are all um, gifted with a lot of energy, depending, of course, like on our personal situations, but, but there is energy that we have inside of us. And so it's where, where are we going to gather our energy and where will we place our attention? And so what I love hearing about uh, meditation, you know, it, it is an element of fun when you can see it as something of just paying attention differently. So being able to alter our perspectives, being able to gather our energy and place it on something, place it on attention that will then benefit our lives. Couldn't agree more. Speaking of that idea of, of taking this literal physical energy that we have throughout the day, right? How many of us have gotten to the end of a workday and felt just totally burnt out? Like, I just don't have the energy to do this next thing. What Caitlin's talking about is really focusing how we spend our time, how we spend our attention in a way that makes us feel better, that makes us feel more energized. But the practice doesn't just stop at us. And I'll leave this one to you, Caitlin, to kind of dive into this idea of compassion, meditation, and meditation as a tool for connection. What can that look like in our lives? Yeah, so I always tell people that meditation has, has two main concepts. Um, one is this idea of gathering energy and uh, skills training of concentration. So that's a really important piece of meditation. But then the other piece that I feel like often isn't always addressed that I think is just as important is it's a practice of compassion. And we saw this maybe when I was talking about parenting is that when we create a, a, a greater pause between our reactions, we're not only helping ourselves, but we're having a greater impact on those around us um, and, and the world, if you really think about it that way. And so one of the, my favorite practices of compassion is a loving kindness meditation. And loving kindness um, was really pioneered by a woman named Sharon Salzberg. And she really talks about this idea of loving kindness meditation being a practice of connection, that we have an ability within just our focus to create greater connections with people. And so how we'll practice this right now together is I'll have you choose two phrases for yourself. And traditionally, the two phrases or usually three or four phrases that people choose are things like, may I be well, May I be happy? 
and may I live with peace, or you can actually finish the phrase however you see best fit. But the, the first encouragement is just to think about the phrases for yourself. So if all of you would just think of two phrases um, to start with. So finish the sentence, may I be, and the, and the goal is that you want to choose words that you don't have to think a whole lot about, that you don't have any weird relationship with. So to give you an example, I never choose happy because I always am kind of like, wait, what is happy? How do I want to be happy? But that's just personally for me. For other people, it fits really beautifully with their life to choose that word. So you don't want to choose words that you'll get hung up on or that'll make you like get into a deeper state of, of, of distraction. Um, you also want to choose words that are, of course, positive. So well wishes to yourself. I always love just the phrase, may I be well, because I feel like it covers like a wealth of, of goodness. <laughs> um, and so once you have your two phrases, go ahead and find a comfortable seat. Or like Anna always suggests, give yourself permission to stand if that's what you need right now after an hour. Or even find yourself walking in whatever room you're in. And I'll first just invite you to pay attention to your breath as an anchor for our attention. The more time you actually spend with your breath, um, it'll develop as a friend, as something that's always there, as something that can help anchor and focus your mind when you need it. Now I invite you to offer yourself the two phrases you've chosen. So say to yourself repeatedly, may I be well, may I have peace. And just repeat those phrases over and over to yourself. Seeing this as an offering, as an extension of self-compassion. Traditionally, the next um, offering of these phrases that you would provide is to someone that you see as a benefactor of your life. So I invite you all to think of a benefactor and how I like to see this is it's someone who brings you joy. Someone for when you think of them, they make you smile. Someone for you knowing and having them in your life feel changed feel benefited from them being alive. And now to your benefactor, offer the same phrases that you gave to yourself, now to them. May you be well, may you have peace. And then again, say them over and over again with that concentration towards that person. really great thing about using phrases is that to gather the energy, you just have to restart with a phrase. So if at any point you feel yourself get distracted, remember that's part of this process. Gather your energy and return it back to the phrases, back to your benefactor. And then lastly, I invite you to think of all beings everywhere. Think of all that's living all that is contributing to the world, all that is present and has life in the world. And to all beings everywhere, say the two phrases, may all be well, may all have peace. So the same phrases that you offer to yourself and to your benefactor, now you say to all beings, Slowly draw a breath in through your nose and see if you can draw even more air in once you think you've found the top. Open your mouth, slowly release your air. Open up your fingers and toes. Maybe bring small movements to your body. I invite you before we conclude, just notice the state of your mind. Take note of maybe compassion or connection. 
you close your eyes, slowly open them. And we'll return to conclude the webinar. <laughs> Thank you so much, Caitlin. I want to point out to all of you out there, um, obviously, if you have any thoughts or questions about that, feel free to share them in the chat box. But another just interesting point of research about this idea of a compassion meditation, this loving kindness meditation, is that the research shows this is actually one of the fastest acting methods of meditation. So when we talk about meditation having a lot of long-term effects on our brains and bodies, practicing this idea of offering up kind and peaceful thoughts to ourselves, the people we care for, and even the people around us that we don't know, uh, that has been shown to have a direct and pretty immediate impact on our brains through even brain scans. I wanna just wrap this up for you guys with a, a phrase, a quote from one of my favorite teachers of meditation, Alan Watts, that Caitlin actually already hinted at, but I think it pretty much sums up this, this idea pretty beautifully. That meditation is the discovery that the point of life is always arrived at in the immediate moment. And the way I like to think about this is that it's very much the same as music, right? When we make or listen to music, we don't do it in order to reach a certain point in the music, like the end of the piece, right? That would pretty much defeat the purpose of music. You know, the best musicians would be the ones who played the fastest and got to the end the fastest. The idea of music is that you simply play it or listen to it for the experience of it. Like dancing, you don't dance to get to the end, you just dance. And the same is true with a single practice of meditation. And the same is really true with life in general. It's not about getting to the next point. It's not about getting to the end, right? In many ways, that's not what we want. The point is just to take a moment right here, right now, no matter what note you're hearing in the music or what emotion you're feeling in your life, to give that your full attention and just accept it for exactly what it is, knowing that if it's pleasant, it won't be here forever, but you can enjoy it while it is. And if it's unpleasant, you have the ability and the strength to be with it and notice it without worrying that it will always be this way, which it won't. <laughs>